thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. It's so, thank you, thank you, uh, both of you, for uh, responding there. That's really good. Great to be with you. Uh, here in the room in Hal Zoe or wherever you're watching from online, it's really good. And Alison and myself uh, are going to chat to you this morning for the next 30 minutes or so. And we thought we'd just do it a little bit differently today. You know, we've spent uh, the last couple of weeks uh, in COVID isolation together, mm. which has been deeply joyful, hasn't it? Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, it's been all right for me. Obviously not for her, but for me anyway. But, you know, as, and I know many of you have been through that and, and you know, many, many and we, we're okay and we're fine, yeah. okay, physically and everything. And so, and, and it's just kind of made us realise as well just how difficult this season has been yeah. for so many people uh, and coming out of it, not just with the physical health challenges, but relationally, you know, we all, you know, over the last couple of months or couple of years rather, had the times we couldn't see our family and our friends. You know, it's been difficult to work. And I guess one of the biggest things that's emerged out of this season has been our mental health and our emotional health and well-being. And um, we just want to talk about that with you for the next for, for, for this morning service, really. Can I just say, we are not going to handle every single question that there is about this subject. We're not going to cover... We, don't, we haven't got all the answers. We're not even sure of all the questions. Um, and it's a huge issue. In fact... Several months ago, um, uh, somebody did some uh, videos for us. It's on our YouTube channel, Erin uh, Doherty. That's what she's trained in. She did a whole series of videos on mental health. And so I'd really encourage you to check those out. But what we want to do today is we want to look at this kind of title, God and Mental Health. And the kind of strap line is, it's okay not to be okay. Okay? That's what we want to look at. Yes, we do. Okay. And... and in our language, you know, we talk casually about mental health all of the time. We use phrases like, I'm falling apart, I'm losing my mind, it's driving me crazy, or even, I say this quite a lot, I'm losing the will to live. You ever said that when you're frustrated? Okay, we use this language. Lot, yeah, I, to be fair. I, I have over the last couple of weeks, yeah. <laughs> but we use this language very casually yeah. every day. But actually, it has much deeper meaning for many people. We treat those expressions lightly, and they're part of everyday language, but actually they have a much deeper meaning for some of us. But right at the beginning, let's have a think about what, what is mental health? Because it's actually quite hard to define. I've looked up a few definitions. I've gone with the government's definition. You'd be pleased about that, won't you? So the government's definition is a positive state of mind and body, feeling safe and able to cope with a sense of connection with people, communities and the wider environment. Now, actually, for all you might say about the government, that's not a bad definition, really, is it? In other words, it's an integral part of health. It's influenced by a wide range of social, psychological and biological factors. It's complex. It can't be maintained by simply eating a healthy diet and getting enough exercise. Although I have to say, guys, those two things are really helpful in maintaining your mental health. But it's not quite as simple as that. And when we face mental health challenges, they're often not quite as easily fixed as maybe setting a broken bone. They're more complicated. And given its complexity and the range of factors that affect our mental health, it's unsurprising that our mental health as a nation has worsened during the pandemic. 
There is a growing mental health crisis in our country and some really worrying trends. Depression rates have doubled. Well, if they were one in four before and they've doubled, that's not good, is it? One in five people are now reporting suicidal thoughts. 20% of the population. That's a lot, isn't it? And there are still some groups who are disproportionately affected. Young adults. Our young adults are really badly affected by this, guys. Women, the clinically vulnerable, disabled people, and those living in deprived areas. In other words, those who were vulnerable pre-pandemic are now even more vulnerable in the situation that we're at today. And it's been made so much worse by social isolation. It's exacerbated issues like poor housing, loss of jobs, low income. And, and the, the value of jobs is also to do with volunteering. You know, volunteering is really good for your mental health. And people haven't been able to do that either. And also working in frontline services, the loss of our usual coping strategies, and uh, reduced access to mental health have all combined to create a rather gloomy picture of mental health in the UK. And while the groups of people that I've mentioned and the sets of circumstances that I've outlined may increase the risk of mental health challenges, the reality is, as we know from our own experience, everyone is vulnerable. Sadly, in the church, an unhelpful separation persists between mind and body. When it surfaces, it's expressed with the view that if death or illness is as a result of something in your body, it's a medical issue. But if it occurs as a result of something associated with the mind, we classify it as a spiritual issue. That's really unhelpful, guys. It's really unhelpful. And it makes it so difficult for people in church to talk about their struggles. Yeah, I think one of the big problems is, I think, the way we talk about this. And uh, I love what the actress Glenn Close says uh, about this. And she said, what mental health needs, coming up on the screen there, is more sunlight, more candor, and more unashamed conversations. And I love that. That word candor, we don't use that word candor. It literally means honest and frank, just speaking it out, you know, like it really is. That's what candor means. And, and I've been thinking a lot about this. As many of you know, we've had... Um, Maybe the extreme side. Mental health is like a whole continuum, you know, and there's a whole load of range of issues for, to mental illness. And, and obviously at the extreme end of these is things like when people get to such a state when they take their own life. And as a church, we've been through the tragedy and are helping families and trying to do that. And you know that as, as a church, we, we're very acutely aware of that. But I know that when I was preparing for that funeral, which was so difficult recently, I had this thought, you know, what type of person, and I've heard so many people say this thing, well, I didn't think they were the type. Do you, know, do you know what? Here's the type that is affected by mental health. There's only one type that's affected by mental health issues, the human being type. That's the only type. And I think what we're all aware of much more now, if we're honest, is actually this can affect all of us to varying degrees. Not all of us will get to that point where we'll feel like taking our own life, but we're, it, we're all can be affected because we're all human beings. And you know, when you look at the Bible and you look at the Bible characters, isn't it amazing to know that the heroes of our faith, actually many of them suffered from mental health challenges as well. We just didn't call them that. So when you look at Elijah, 
I mean, in 1 Kings 19, he's, he's in the desert. He, he says to his uh, 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 attendant, you know, I want to be on my own. He's basically, he's depressed. And then he has suicidal thoughts. He says, well, he doesn't just have suicidal thoughts. He says, take my life, Lord. I've had enough. I want to die. And he isn't saying like that phrase that Alison said, you know, that we say in, almost in jest sometimes. He's actually got, got suicidal thoughts. Look at people like um, Job who had severe bouts of depression. He said, I have no peace, no quietness, no rest. Jeremiah, incredible prophet, incredible seasons of loneliness uh, and insecurity. Jonah, he said, I'm angry enough to die. And you know, it's not just the Bible, but history is full of men and women who love God, who had incredible faith, and who suffered with mental health challenges. Every time I go to Albania, um, there's a statue of Mother Teresa. She was born in the north of Albania, um, in the airport there, uh, just outside of the airport. And I'm always reminded that Mother Teresa, who we all know of, incredible life, decades, decades she battled with depression. For decades, she felt that she couldn't hear God speak. God's absence, it was like darkness. And she writes about it in her letters. Martin Luther, the famous reformer of the 1500s, incredible hero, incredible courage, took on the whole Catholic Church. He battled seasons of anxiety. Probably didn't call it that then, but that's exactly what it was. C.S. Lewis, the famous writer and author, after his wife died, um, the grief turned into depression for many, many months and years. And he wrote this, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It's easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. And maybe some of you guys today in the room or watching online, you know that. Something resonates within you as you know that. You are not on your own. In fact, one of the great Bible characters and certainly a personal hero of mine is David. And when we think of the, of, of the guy David, we think of David the giant killer. We think of David the warrior. We think of David the king. You know, we think of David the ruler. But you know, David was also a psalmist. He wrote many of the psalms. And many of the psalms that he wrote were not happy, happy ditties. They're not like life is all great. In fact, they were anything but that. And other people wrote the psalm. Someone who wrote Psalm 88. And the way he writes this in Psalm 88, this is not a psalm of David, but it could have been. Because many of David's psalms have these kind of words. Listen to this kind of words. This is talking about something very real. He says this, I've been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have paralyzed me. They swell around me like floodwaters all day long. They've engulfed me completely. You've taken away my companions and loved ones. But listen to this phrase. Darkness is my closest friend. And that phrase, darkness is my closest friend, is what many people experience when it comes to the challenge of mental health. Yeah, it's absolutely right. The idea of darkness is a really apt description of the mental health challenges faced by many people. And Walter Brueggemann, in his book, The Spirituality of the Psalms, wrote about the way in which the Psalms are structured to actually help us through the experiences of life. And he described them as being written according to three types. And they form a framework which help us to work through mental health challenges while remaining faithful to God in the process. And the three types of psalms are those of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. So what do I mean by that? Well, psalms of orientation, these are great ones. We love these and we love to quote them. The world is safe. It's good 
and it's stable. God is in his heaven and all is well. Life is good, God is good, all is good. Can you think of an example for that one? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Completely orientated to God and the world around us. We're home with God, ourselves and the world. In other words, all is right with our world. We love it when we're in periods of orientation, aren't we? And I'm sure David really enjoyed those uh, times in his life as well. But actually, uh, the majority of Psalms fall into the second category. Psalms of disorientation or lament. Now, there's a great word, lament. You don't hear that one talked about ever, do you? Um, it generally means feelings of, of, of sadness and sorrow, deep sorrow uh, in our lives. And the majority of Psalms actually fall into this category. All is very definitely not well. We don't understand what's going on. We feel disorientated. And every human being has experiences like this. They're part of life. For many of us, they last for just a short time. But for others, this sense of disorientation can feel almost permanent. And during these times, they're, they're bemusing at best, but they're devastating at worst. All our old coping strategies just don't seem to work anymore. Nothing seems to make sense, and we feel a very, very long way away from Psalm 23. We find ourselves asking, asking questions like, why is this happening to me? How long will it go on? Where are you, God? Just like David in Psalm 13, the way we see the world has changed and we feel ill-equipped and completely alone. Here's how David begins Psalm 13. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul and sorrow in my heart? Every day? quite powerful, isn't it? It's not in Psalm 23 there. And here's another one, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. And we find this sense of disorientation, sadness and lament echoed through so many of the Psalms. And you might recognise those feelings. Have you said the same things to God? Some of you might have said those things this morning. Why am I bothering to go to church, God? I won't feel you there anyway. Don't know where you are. Don't know what you're doing in my life. Completely disoriented. But then there's a third category. There are Psalms of reorientation. And this is where there's a shift in perspective. And you'll notice as you read that many of the Psalms of disorientation, for no obvious reason, suddenly transform into Psalms that are reoriented. They move from the language of lament into joy and worship. So if we go back to Psalm 13, and this time we're looking at verses 5 and 6, it says, But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Remember, this is the psalm that began in verse 1 with, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Nothing about the situation has changed. But David somehow begins to look at it in a different light. It's as though he's seeing the situation through a completely different lens. What's happened? Well, what's happened is he's remembered God's unfailing love. The times when God rescued him in the past. 
his experiences of God's goodness. And in the light of that revelation, he realises that despite not being able to sense God's presence, God is nonetheless still with him. David just lost sight of him for a little while. I think when we were thinking and praying and preparing for this, what we didn't want to do is to, is to just give you a whole load of practical things. Hey, do this, do this, do this. And that's really important. But we wanted to go what we feel a little bit deeper than that, really. Because, you know, when it comes to, to mental health and when it comes to darkness, you see, we always look as dark at darkness as a place of um, foreboding and um, potentially where evil is. And it is all of that. But, you know, here's something really interesting. In the Bible, darkness is also a sphere of God's encounter. It's often in the darkness that we encounter God the deepest. And um, last year, on March the 1st, many of you know this, my, my mother passed away. My dad died in 2009. So, so my mom, um, lone parent, left there. Uh, she passed away on March the 1st. On March the 16th, the government said that we need to prepare for non-essential travel. We were heading towards a lockdown. On March the 17th, the next day, was my mom's funeral. So we already, on March the 16th, had loads of people say, we can't come, we can't come, we can't come, which was fine. We understood that. March the 17th, um, we said goodbye to my mom. March the 23rd, we went into lockdown. And I realised by the summer of last year, I hadn't really grieved. I just hadn't had time with everything else going on, you know. And so took a bit of time and I... I was aware of, um, of, of a book um, that a, a guy called Malcolm Duncan had written called Good Grief. And I'd really recommend this book if you've lost anyone. It's such a powerful book because he talks about darkness uh, in the book. And not just in the context of grief, but Malcolm's story is that he lost three or four family members in a two-year period. Several of them took their own lives, including a brother-in-law and a nephew who took their own lives. Can you imagine not only the grief, but the mental health issues of that? And Malcolm writes in the book about the darkness, not just of grief, but of mental health and experiencing God in the darkness. And he writes this in that book. It is in encountering God, both in his presence and his absence, that I have emerged from the storm. After all, his absence is simply proof of his presence once enjoyed. It's really powerful, isn't it? And you know, it would be easy as we talk about this subject to fall into the trap of describing mental health as the absence of illness or distress. But as we discovered at the beginning, the definition of mental health is far more complex. So how do we work through mental health challenges? Well, one of the temptations we risk is to seek God for a cure rather than for healing. Yeah. You might think, what do you mean by that? What's the difference between those two things? Well, seeking a cure is, in effect, to ask for the removal of the challenges we face in order that we can return to the way we were or the way we experienced ourselves before. But this is a concept that's largely shaped by our culture. Healing and cure are entirely different things. And you know, the Bible doesn't even have an equivalent term for health which equates to the absence of illness. It doesn't have meaning in the Bible. The closest term is shalom. Its core meaning is righteousness, holiness, and right relationship with God. Health is not a medical or a psychological concept. Instead, it's a relational and theological one. 
John Swinton, in his book, Finding Jesus in the Storm, says this, health is not the absence of anything. It is the presence of God. It is not an ideal, a concept, or a humanly achievable goal. Rather, it is a person, Jesus. And you know, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life in all its fullness. This is the shalom life. This is the abundant life which enables us to hold on to Jesus even in the middle of the storm. Doesn't wait for us to get out of it. It's in the middle of the storm. And Swinton goes on to say, mental health, biblically speaking, is not defined by the presence or absence of symptoms. Psychological distress is therefore not a sign of the absence of God. It is perfectly possible to be with Jesus even in the midst of deep distress. Psychological distress can leave us feeling as though God has abandoned us, but he hasn't. This is one of the mysteries I can't explain, but I know it's true from my own experience and from the experience of others. Remember Mother Teresa? She had a great ministry, a great life, but often felt for a very long time as though God were absent. It doesn't equate to personal sin. It is simply a mystery. And Shalom helps us to remember that although we may feel alone, Jesus has promised never, ever to leave us. Shalom frees us from false ideas about mental health and unrealistic expectations about the life we're called to live. Health and healing actually rely on one thing, staying connected to Jesus at all times, in all places, even the very darkest. We wanted to share something with you guys today. Um, not from our thoughts, but from someone's own personal experience. So we asked Jonathan, who's a member of this church, Jonathan Allen, and he's grown up in this church since he was a lad. And he works for Faith Trust, which is an organization that we partner very closely with, who are passionate and committed to working, especially with children and young people who are suffering mental health challenges right now, of which the work has gone through the roof, as you can imagine. But this is Jonathan, not talking about the work he does, but the journey he has been on. This is Jonathan's story. So my uh, journey uh, around mental health uh, has been an interesting one. I think growing up, I was kind of brought up in a family that was, I suppose, taught to be strong, uh, not, you know, be weak, not have loads of emotions. Um, and I just kind of grew up kind of filling that mould, really, and, and being that strong person. Um, in my job with Face Trust, I always worked with emotions you know for children and young people so like mental health wasn't something that was new to me it was something that I understood um, actually quite well um, but actually I didn't that's that's really the truth I had the information but the experience and the engagement with my own mental health uh, wasn't real and it wasn't until 2014 um, that kind of like a collection of events brought me face to face with my own mental health for real. And um, it started with, with an illness. Um, and I'm, I'm never, well, I was never ill up to that point in my life. I'd kind of very sporty, you know, always be active. 
and then suddenly in that year I just got ill with like a, a fatigue illness and I was just in bed for, for six months and then it took me another six months to like push myself to get back to work and it was just super hard and I think my mindset was how can I be ill like this just this isn't me and I think actually um, God was really with me in, 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 those, in that moment to kind of help me reflect on where I was at with my own mental health. And I think I realised I'd created a kind of uh, a model of being that, that couldn't be weak or couldn't engage with those emotions that um, I needed to. And I think I kind of like view it as like do a domino effect where the first domino goes and then it kind of triggers all these other events. And, and that's what my engagement with mental health was like started with the illness then it was anxiety and depression I think interestingly I'd, I'd struggled with my mental health all my life I just wasn't aware of it like observing me I probably could have seen it but when you're in your own body you kind of don't see your own experience until you have no other choice but to and I got anxiety and depression um, there were times when I'd you know, have a twinge in my arm and think I've got a tumour or I'm, I'm, I'm dying and like this wasn't the way I'd thought ever I couldn't even um, come to terms with thinking that way I think previously I, th I would have thought just don't think like that but it, but it didn't work and I just went through this process of recognising that actually being a strong man doesn't mean ever being ill. It doesn't mean not engaging with your emotion. It doesn't mean that you aren't weak. It doesn't mean that you don't struggle. It doesn't mean that you have to pretend and hide all the things that you find hard. Actually, it's totally the opposite. And I think coming off the back of that domino was um, struggling uh, struggles w within my marriage. And it was just like everything that I felt could go wrong for, for my life just kind of did all at once and I think God helped me see actually that that these challenges in life that they come along and if we avoid them and, and push them down and ignore them actually life gets hard so as as hard as life you know can be um, and as, as difficult at times as it can be to admit that your mind isn't doing what it should be doing and you are thinking thoughts and and things that you couldn't believe you think you know you would think actually it's okay to be in that place and it's okay to engage with those emotions and, and God has actually made us emotional beings and he wants us to engage you know with those things and I think kind of coming out of you know all of all of these, those experiences, I think I learned that it's really important to just reflect on who you are, where you're at, what are the things that are going on in my life or in your life and face them. And I think we do live in a culture where everything, we want everything to be okay, we want everything to be good and to be perfect and we need to be seen as strong. And I think, I think that's definitely a traditional more a traditional stereotype for guys um, and I think I did fit that and I wouldn't say that that is true of me now 
And I think mo a lot of my job now, I work with uh, the more vulnerable children and young people. And now that I've engaged with my own mental health and I've learnt to recognise when I'm not doing good and talk to people about it, admit when I'm not doing well, that's given me a whole heap of experience, first-hand experience to be able to support other people really well. And I'm super passionate about guys being real, you know, about who they are and where and where they're at. And it's, you know, com coming out of, of COVID, we've all had to face our own challenges with our mental health. Um, we've been in situations where our coping strategies that, that we had, that we didn't know were there, were taken away from us and we probably come face to face with feeling low, um, not connecting with people, not doing the things that, that brighten, brighten our, our world up. So when, you, when you're at your lowest, I think it's hard to describe what that looks like unless you've been there, but I think bleak, dark, no hope, um, that I think for me, when I'm having a kind of a low kind of season in my life, it's the best way I can describe it is almost like a numbness or that life doesn't have the colour that, you know, it used to have or things that I really enjoy, I don't want to do or they don't have the same meaning. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I've learned, like in my journey with God is that that is okay, do you know what I mean? To, to feel that low. And actually, feeling low does, doesn't mean that your faith isn't where it needs to be. And you know, we look at the Bible and we see that most of the, the kind of pioneers of the faith or the people that we put on pedestals, like they just were in some really difficult situations. And I think they just accepted it. And I think that is part of the process of you know, coming to grips with that darkness that you can experience, accepting that, that that's where you are and, and God's okay with that. But God wants to move us beyond that sometimes. And I think that's, that's what I've learned, that God in the darkness is probably more powerful in your weakness than, than you know, you could ever find him to be. so powerful that in your darkness you'll find God is more powerful than you can ever imagine him to be. And you know what we want to do in these last few minutes together is we want to give you four things to think about practically, okay? But then we want to create a bit of space and opportunity for God to really encounter us this morning, whether that's online or whether that's here in the room. What can you do? First thing we can do, guys, is talk about it. The more we talk about it, I think the more the stigma goes. The more we talk about it, the more we realise we're not on our own. The more we talk about it, I think the more we collectively find strength to engage with our mental health challenges in the darkness. And how we talk about it is really important. And can I just say that our culture, as Jonathan said there, our culture says to us that life should be happy all the time. We should be happy all the time and everything should work out well all the time. If it doesn't, something's wrong. That's a lie. Sometimes we feel down. Sometimes we feel low. That's okay. That's part of life. What we're talking about is when it goes beyond that 
And actually, we're in a situation where all of life feels like that, okay? And like Jonathan said, where the colour has almost gone out of life, where the numbness has come. And I, and I want to say, when that happens, we need to be talking about it more, okay? When, and we need to find safe places to talk about it. And when we are talking about it, and for many of you here watching in the room or online, maybe you're okay right now. Other people around you may not be. Okay, and part of the hope with it, this is a communal response. We, I think we need nationally a communal response to this whole pandemic. Not the COVID pandemic, the mental health pandemic. We need to come together as communities where we're not only talking about it, but where we're listening as well. And when we're listening, and I'm terrible as a listener sometimes, Alison will tell you, all right? Uh, even, even as I walk over the road this morning, okay, um, I, I like, and she said, you're not listening. And I'm like, I'm talking about that in a moment, but I wasn't, okay? But that sense of when you ask someone if they're okay, ask them twice. Don't just ask them once, ask them twice. Ask them in a different way. Don't just say, well, you're okay, yeah, I'm okay, and then move on. Ask him in a different way. Go a little bit deeper. Ask that second question. Because when we do that, and then when we listen, and when we listen, we're not listening to try and fix them. And what we're not trying to do is to say things like, I'm sure it's nothing. Which many people say. Or, you're just having a bad day. Or, pray about it. All of those things are really unhelpful. We need to talk about it, and we need to listen. Yeah, we do. That's so true. And the second thing we need to do is to seek help. And uh, you have to remember, psychological distress requires support in the same way as physical pain and discomfort. It's okay to go and see your GP, particularly if your feelings are becoming worse or if you've had them for a while and they're just not going away. You may benefit from talking therapies or from medication, both of which your doctor can help you with. There's nothing unbiblical about those things. There's also a wide range of really helpful online resources that have become available during the pandemic. Seeking help and using the wisdom God has given to doctors, counsellors and other professionals is not a lack of faith. We wouldn't have any problem asking for help with a physical issue, so let's not when it comes to our mental health. And just a word here. Please remember, if you ever feel so desperate and so overwhelmed that you just don't feel you can go on, there are some really helpful um, helplines that are available. There's, There's support here in the church. There's things that you can do. You can ask for prayer. But if in the moment you're feeling desperate, you may need to remember the Samaritans. A listening service, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year developed just for those moments in your life where you feel like that. And I love that it's based on a story that Jesus told, the Samaritans. Okay, if you need someone to help you out in distress, that may be something that you find useful. But if you don't need that help right now, if you don't need a Samaritan, perhaps there are those around you who do. Perhaps God's asking you to be their Samaritan to listen to them, to ask them, to listen again, and then to listen some more. Yeah, so good. The third thing, guys, I think we all need to do is to be kind and patient. I think we need to be kind and patient with ourselves, and we need definitely to be kind and patient with others. Just look at some of these scriptures. They're not all around mental health, but they're, this is the heart of the gospel, really. And listen to this, Jude chapter 1. Keep being compassionate to those who still have doubts. Snatch others out of the fire to save them. Be merciful over and over to them. Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, Instead, be kind to each other, 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And then Paul again in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. And can I just say, we need to remember, for some of us, our mental health darkness will be a season. For some people, it will be their life. It will be their life. They'll battle the darkness of mental health for the whole of their life. What they need is a community of people who are kind and patient, who are going to love them over and over and over again. We're going to be that kind of church, aren't we? Yeah, I know we are already because I've seen some of your faces already. Fourth point, stay open to God. Don't give up going to church. Don't hide from God or those around you. They can help you to stay close to Jesus when you can't sense his presence. You might not be able to pray. Ask others to pray for you. If you can't read the Bible, try listening to podcasts. If you can't sing, let others sing around you and lift you into God's presence. You know, people so often say to me, oh, I couldn't come to church. I was, I was too upset. I would just cry all the way through. So cry. So cry. You won't be on your own. It's happened to all of us. I've had long periods of time where I've cried every week through the worship. It just happens. Don't let it stop you. You don't need to be embarrassed. You're not alone. There are people around you on every other seat that understand just how that feels. Why? Because many of them have been through their own journey. And it's my privilege to have shared some of your journeys with you. And I know there are people in the room today and watching online who have lived with these mental health challenges most of their lives. They are some of the most beautiful people I know. Somehow they keep going. They stay close to Jesus. They become the most beautiful people through engaging with God in their darkness. And uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote some lovely words about people who know suffering. She said, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. They go through the darkness. And remember, health is not the absence of anything. Certainly not the absence of suffering. Rather, it's the presence of God. Not an ideal, a concept, or a humanly achievable goal. It's a person, Jesus. Guys, in the Bible, there's something called blessing. And uh, a blessing is not about wishing you well. A blessing is the bestowal of God's favour onto your life. The whole idea of a priestly blessing is taken from this idea of the covenant between God and his people. And the idea is that as the blessing is spoken out over people, this is God not just wishing you well. This is God bestowing his grace and his favour over you, whatever situation you're in, whether you're in the light or whether you're in darkness, whether you are singing psalms of orientation or whether you're in deep in the depths of despair. God is saying, the Lord bless you and keep you and be gracious to you and make his face shine upon you and give you shalom.
give you peace. And what we want to do this morning is that right at the start of lockdown, this song, the blessing that was written right in, back in, in 2020, we never did it as a church because everybody else was doing it and it was everywhere on social media. But this is taken straight out of Numbers chapter 6. This is the priestly blessing, the blessing that Aaron spoke over the people on behalf of God. What we want to do is the guys are going to sing this over you this morning. Here in the room, watching online, whenever, wherever you're watching this, they're going to sing this over you because this is God's heart for every single one of you. However you're feeling, whether you're okay or whether you're not okay, it's okay because the Lord blesses you. He speaks blessing and graciousness and His face is shining over every single one of you. So we want you to just stay seated. Let the guys sing over you. Then we're going to come back and pray for you. And then we're going to sing this song together. And we're going to, as we sing this song later on in a few moments, we're not just going to sing it over ourselves. We're going to sing it over our communities. We're going to sing it over our families. We're going to sing it over people that don't know God because God wants to bless them with His presence and with His shalom. So receive again from God today. I know that there are people in the room this morning who find themselves in darkness. You find themselves a million miles away from God. You can't hear Him, you can't see Him. I want to encourage you to reach out to Jesus today. Yeah. It's not about what you have to do. It's just about connecting with Him. And I was um, reading the U version this morning, verse of the day, and there was such an apt verse. I just wanted to share it with you. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. If you want to find rest in Jesus today, if you feel you're in a dark yeah. place, I'm going to ask you to do something really simple. Just stand. Yeah. Just stand right where you are. Just indicating to God, God, that's me. I'm here. That's how I feel. And you know what? It's a really brave thing to do, but it's really important that you do it because the truth is we need to be able to support you as well. Yeah. And if we don't know, if those around you don't know how dark your darkness feels, they can't help you. Yeah. If that's you right now, just stand. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And if you're watching online as well, we'd love to pray for you. There's going to be a link come up in the chat for you and we would love to pray for you. And this is your stand moment. This is you standing and responding by saying, I want you to pray for me. And we're going to pray for folks who are standing here in the room. And if you're sat down, maybe just look around, just put your hand out. Don't have to touch someone, but let's just pray. Father, we want to pray. Beautiful people who are in darkness right now. And we pray, Father, for your presence and your peace and the blessing of God and the shalom and the wholeness and the healing and the wellness of God over people's lives in Jesus' name. Father, where there's terrors in the night, where there's people unable to sleep, God, would you give sleep? Where there's people 
unable to eat at times, where there's the, the color that seems to have drained from people's lives, God, would you strengthen them? Would you bring color back, we pray. And Jesus, we ask you for your presence, your shalom, God. Your face shine upon them. May they know, God, that your favor is towards them in the light and in the darkness. God, you haven't changed a bit. You love them to bits. May they know it, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite all of you to stand, guys. And as we sing, as we finish our time together, you know this is such an important subject. All we're doing today is raising it up and inviting God to come. But, you know, we're going to speak much more into this in the, in the future. And, you know, we have a prayer space out in the, in the um, reception there. And if you'd like someone to pray with you personally, if you're here in the room. But like I say, if you're online, we'd love to pray for you. Guys, as we sing this song now, remember, we're not singing this to God. We're receiving this from God. But when we do sing it out, what we're also doing is we're reminding ourselves of who we are in God. But let's sing this out almost as we sing it. Maybe if you're okay right now, think of someone who isn't and sing it out prophetically over their life. Sing it out over our young people. Sing it out over our young adults. Sing it out over our, the men who can't speak to anybody and who are right at the edge of themselves. Speak it out to those who are disabled, to those who are from areas of deprivation, those who are most vulnerable. Speak it out over our communities. This is God's heart for us. This is God's heart for our communities. This is God's heart that needs to be at the centre of our heart. If we're going to be the church that God needs and wants coming out of COVID, we need to be, have this at the centre of who we are. So as we sing this song, let's not just sing it as a song. Let's speak it out as a prayer and as a blessing over our own lives and over the lives of others.